You mustn't settle. You cannot quit. That's one small step for man. This year is yours for the taking. One giant leap for mankind. A mountain to conquer, a giant to slay. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That proverbial line in the sand in the journey of life. God is with you. Step out. I have a dream today. He is for you. Step up. You and I were saved by the cross. Let nothing hold you back. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Believe this is your year. Now it's time to see who has the heart. Declare it. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. Then make it so. How's everybody doing? Doing good? I am, I am really fired up. It's week two of a brand new series called I Declare. And what we're doing walking into 2024 is we're saying this. We're not just going to hope it's a better year. We're going to declare it's a better year. And a declaration is really drawing a line in the sand. It's saying I'm not going to be the same. i got to take action. i got to do something different. And last week we talked about our first declaration. Let me just remind you what it was. It's that with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit... I will be a person of consistency, right? I will be a person of consistency because, remember, transformation happens when I do consistently what others do occasionally. And I just want to applaud some of you because I know some of you, last weekend, you made a commitment to be more spiritually consistent, whatever that looked like for you. And that's the most important area of your life to be consistent in is spiritually. Some of you are back this weekend because of that. And so I just want to applaud you and say, keep it up, because I think our consistency is the starting point of having a better year. This weekend's declaration is where the rubber hits the road. And so I'm just going to give you the declaration up front, like I'm going to do uh, each week, because I want you to start thinking about it. I want to look at it biblically throughout this message. And then, then at the end of the message, I want to give you a chance, and this is your decision uh, to make the declaration yourself. So you can kind of have it on your mind throughout the message. Let me just give you the declaration today. Here it is. With God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I will take responsibility for my life. Now here's what it says. Never again will I blame someone else for where I am. The buck stops with me. Now does anybody else look at that and go, ugh. I mean, that's not easy, is it? And, uh, and by the way, Transforming your life is never an easy road. If it was easy, you'd already be there. This declaration, though, is so hard because it's so easy to see the gaps in other people, and it's so hard to see the gaps in the mirror, isn't it? Like, it's so easy to point the finger of blame at everyone else for what happened to us, where we're at in life, versus taking responsibility for ourselves. And why is that so hard for some of us? It's very simple. Because why would you take responsibility? It wasn't your fault, right? Like, why would I take responsibility? It wasn't my fault. I mean, he lied and she left and he had the affair. Nobody can work for that guy. Nobody. If your marriage has problems, it's like, well, he never shows me affection. She never wants to be intimate. It's like a cycle of crazy. Your dad abandoned you when you were growing up. 
Your mom was never sober. How were you supposed to know the economy was gonna crash? There was gonna be double-digit inflation. How about this? How could God allow something like that to happen to someone like me? Now, I'll just be very personal up front. I think I struggle with this declaration just about as, as much as anybody. I mean, I would be so embarrassed to tell you the number of times in my marriage, for example, that my wife, Jamie, has looked at me and said these words, you always blame me. And I'm thinking, it's because it's your fault, right? Um, early in our marriage, I've shared this very open with you, with you, if you've been at CCV for a while, I've shared with you a lot of our marriage struggles. And early in marriage, Jamie and I had the two biggies, right? Uh, money, sex, what most marriages struggle with. And when our finances were a wreck, we would look at each other and be like, it's your fault, look what you spent. And she's like, look what you spent. And then when it came to intimacy, like, does anybody else want to get to heaven one day and ask God, God, why did you make men and women so different in this area? Like, I've always wanted to ask God that. I thought that was gonna be my first question for God, but then God gave me the answer years and years ago. He really did. I mean, it wasn't like an audible voice. I just felt like God told me one day, he's like, you know why I made you so different? Because I wanna teach you in marriage to be selfless. And I wanna teach you how to take responsibility not only for your needs, but your spouse's needs. And when he said that, I was like, ouch. Anybody else? Because when there's intimacy issues, it's so easy to point the finger and say, you're the one to blame. You're not meeting my needs. And this blame mindset, by the way, it has a tendency to seep its way into almost every area of our life. When it comes to your workplace or why you haven't got promoted or why things aren't going well, well, it's someone else's fault or they have it out for me and we don't ever like to take responsibility for our part in that. When it comes to our kids, we like to blame the culture we don't like to think about maybe our responsibility in that. When it comes to our finances or you know, relationships or what's going on in our family right now and some of the messes or even overcoming our past. Some of us have something in our past that's been so hard to overcome and it's because we're so focused on the person that's to blame, not our responsibility. Some of us, for example, today would say this. You know, the issues in our country today how many of us have said this? The issues in our country today is because everybody's a victim and nobody wants to take responsibility. Anybody? Some of us are like, I want to clap for that. It's our country's fault. It's their fault. No, remember, what's our declaration? I'm going to take responsibility for my life. Never again will I blame someone for where I am. The buck stops with me. And you're thinking, well, that's not as fun as blaming somebody else, is it? It's not as fun at all. But the only way to change is to take responsibility. And today, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that shows us how hardwired it is inside of us to blame others versus take responsibility. I want to take you to the easiest book in the Bible to find, which is Genesis, very first book, right? And if you open to Genesis chapter one, the opening pages of scripture, God calls us to be responsible. We're not, and we immediately, immediately pass the blame. Watch this unfold. We'll start in Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 27. God's creating mankind, and it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. 
Male and female, he created them. So God created males and females and were created in, in God's own image. And in God's image, verse 28, I like how the message translation puts it. It says, it says this, God blessed them. And here's what God said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge and be responsible. God, what about the rules? Like, what about the Ten Commandments? God's like, nah, just create some babies. Just start having babies, all right? And then I also want you to be really responsible for this world I've given you and the life I've given you. Now, this blows my mind. I want you to think about this. In a world where people are responsible for their lives, how many rules did God put in place? One. There was one rule. And what was the one rule God gave Adam and Eve and said, be responsible, I've only got one rule for you. What was the rule? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which means what? In a world where people take responsibility for their lives, you don't need a lot of rules. You know that intuitively. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, theologically, I want you to understand what this represents. Here's what it represents. God is telling Adam and Eve, my one rule is I want you to look to me for what's good and evil, what's right and wrong, not yourself. That's what the tree of knowledge of good and evil means. And by the way, how many of us, like in our marriages and our finances and in our dealings with other people, God's like, I just want you to look to me for every single area of your life for what's right and wrong, not this world, not other people around you, but even from the very beginning, Satan came along and grabbed, wanted to get Adam and Eve's attention and said, no, 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 don't listen to God. Don't let him be the standard of what's right and wrong. You be the standard. You can decide. Satan says this, you can become God. You can become just like God. And Adam and Eve take the bait and they broke the one rule God had. They ate the fruit. They ate it. Now men, who ate the fruit first? <laughs> Eve, which means she's to blame. We can close, let's close in prayer. Father, <laughs> we know who to blame today for all of our problems. In Jesus' name, amen. No, I mean, come on. How many of us, don't, don't guys sometimes or others like to point out that fact that Eve ate it first? And this is why you should always read your Bible. Did you know Adam was right there with her? He was right next to her. He is just as accountable as her from the very first bite. Can I read it to you? Genesis chapter three, verse six says this. She took some, that's the fruit, and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, Adam, who was, where was he at? Who was with her. He was right there with her. It's like, man, we like to pass the blame. Adam, I, sometimes I think maybe Adam was right there with Eve, and they're like looking there, and you know, she's like, well, Maybe we should, he's like, well, maybe we should have a bite. Who should go first? He's like, oh, ladies first. You have some. I mean, <laughs> I want to be a gentleman here, all right? He was right there. What happens next is comical. They eat the fruit, and they know they've done something wrong, and they try to hide from God. Can you hide from God? No. So God finds them, and God confronts them for what they did. And here's what God says. He says, God says to them, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And he, he talks to Adam first. He says, Adam, did you eat from the tree? Adam said, yes, I did. And I'm ready to take full responsibility for what I did. And no one else is to blame. 
Not Eve, you leave her out of this. The buck stops with me. Not even close, right? That, that's, that's called the MMV version of the Bible, okay? The made-up male version of the Bible, all right? It hasn't sold very well for obvious reasons. But no, what, what does Adam immediately do when he gets caught? Who's the first person he blames? Watch this, be careful. The man said to God, the woman you, you put here with me. God, things were going great. It was just me and you. We were in the garden. We had the animals. It was awesome. I didn't ask for a woman, okay? And sure, I was a little lonely. I know I was a little lonely, but I didn't ask for you to create this woman. And once she came here, it's been like a hot mess ever since. I mean, look at her. And look what she did. And God, this is on you. You created her. You brought her. In fact, God, I'm so mad. I am so mad. I'm going to step away. I'm going to let the two of you work things out, all right? And then maybe when I calm down, if you want to come back and apologize to me, the two of you, maybe I'll, I'll forgive you, right? I mean, God, you did this. God's the first person he blamed. Who's the second person he blamed? Then he said this. She, if you don't want to take the blame, God, she's the one that gave me the fruit. And I ate it. I mean, I, I was just minding my own business, walking along. And she like took a papaya and shoved it in my face. I didn't know what I was doing. God's like, you were right there next to her. You knew what tree that was from. I know, but she took it and she shoved it in my face. I didn't want to eat it. And she kept just like shoving it in my face. What was I supposed to do? I mean, you see how quickly we can blame other people? Then all of a sudden, Adam's like, she gave it to me, and so God goes to Eve now. He's gonna confront her. He says, Eve, did you do this? Did you eat from the fruit? And she's, you know, Eve's thinking like, well, I mean, Adam already blamed God. He already blamed me. Who else is to blame? She's, the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. The devil made me do it. From the very beginning of time, when we mess up, we have a propensity inside of all of us to shift the blame everywhere but to us. And this account from Scripture shows us that there's really three places we like to direct our blame. And these three encompass every piece of blame you've ever put in your entire life. And here's what they are. We like to blame God. That's what Adam did first. We like to blame other people, others. And then we like to blame the devil. We've been doing this for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And it hasn't gotten any better lately, has it? I want you right now to just put in your mind the one area of your life that you feel stuck in. Maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something with one of your kids, maybe it's a work situation right now, maybe it's something going on from your past that you just can't seem to move past. It's causing you all sorts of mental health issues and, and it just keeps you sleepless at night. And I don't know what that one thing in your life is that you're, that you're stuck on, but I want you to have it in your mind for the rest of the message because here's what I can almost guarantee. There's something hardwired in you and me because of sin 
that that one thing we're stuck in, we do not want to take responsibility for it. We want to pass blame to somebody else. And here's the problem. Here's the problem if you want to write this down, if you're taking notes today. As long as we blame somebody else, verse taking responsibility ourselves, we cannot make peace with our past or move forward to a better future. Let me say that again. Until you learn to take responsibility for your life, you'll never make peace with that, whatever happened in your past, and you will never move forward to a better preferred future, even the future you want. And there's two reasons that's true that I want to talk to you about today. And here's number one. Blame is the basket that carries your issues into the future. Blame is a basket that just carries your issues with you every single place you go, every relationship, every job, every single situation you're in, that just carries your issues with you. Now, when Adam and Eve um, got caught and they blamed, Adam blamed Eve, Adam blamed God, Eve blamed the devil, when they said those words and Adam says, she gave it to me, God, you, you, you created her, you put her here. And Eve's like, he deceived me, the serpent deceived me. The problem with that is every single one of those statements, there's truth to them. That's true. It's just not the whole truth. And what happens with our blaming is that we like to focus on a piece of the truth, but not the whole truth. And the truth we don't want to talk about is the piece that's our piece. It's a basket that we carry throughout our whole entire lives. Let me give you a, a visual today. It's like a laundry basket full of dirty clothes that's blame. And until you learn to deal and take responsibility for your life, you'll carry this basket with you job to job, relationship to relationship, everywhere you go. Because it's so easy to focus on the dirt that other people put into our lives than the dirt that we're responsible for. It's always nice sharing dirty laundry with other people, right? I mean, it's like we like to take out shirts and be like, are you, look what they did to me. Look at all that. And someone's like, well, isn't that yours? Don't worry about that part. I'm talking about all this dirt up here. And look back here. Don't focus on my part. Look at all that. Oh, man. Look what they did. Look at this dirt. It's everywhere. Yeah, but you decided to sit and get in that situation, right? No, don't look back there. That's not my fault. Yeah, but you decided that. You went there. You did that. No, look what they did. We like to look at all the holes people have put in our lives, right? We're like, look at all this dirt. We, we, we pull out things all the time. We're like, they left a hole. Look how big that is. Someone's like, well, didn't you do that? Don't worry about that. We like to point out all the dirt with other people. Why? Because it allows us not to focus on our own. It's deceptive. And this is why you will carry this with you for your whole entire life until you learn to deal with and do your own laundry. It's time to deal with your own dirt. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter how horrific it is. You have to focus on what you own. And outside of you know, being a child and being abused, all of us, all of us, all of us have something to take responsibility for. 
And until we do and just focus on that, you really can't move forward. You'll just carry it with you forever. It was the 18th century and into the 19th century that there was a disease that was a pandemic that was of epic proportions. It was called the perpetual fever, or some people called it the black death of childhood. And what was happening is that it was horrific. What was happening is, is women, when they were delivering a baby, they would deliver the baby, and somehow, doctors couldn't figure this out, within 48 hours, they would catch pain in their abdomen, and they got a fever so bad that in 70 to 80% of the cases of women after they delivered that got this fever, they died within 48 hours. It was horrific. And it started spreading all throughout Britain and even to America. Um, Josh uh, McKinnish, who, who was writing during the 1820s, said this, there's not a corner of Britain where this formidable disease has not many mourners. Could you imagine in our culture today women delivering a baby and within 48 hours dying? How much of a pandemic that would be. So doctors got to work. They said, we want to take responsibility inside of our hospitals for whatever's happening, solving it. So doctors went to work and nothing was, was, was changing. One day a doctor came along and pointed out to his other doctor friends, he said, guess what? You are the problem. You keep looking everywhere else to solve the problem, but actually you doctors are the problem. What he discovered is that what the doctors were doing, and again, it was the 1800s, nobody knew about germs and how they were spread and how we should sanitize things. That wasn't really a thing back then. And so what doctors were doing is they were doing autopsies on dead bodies in the morning, and then they were delivering babies in the afternoon with women without washing their hands, without sterilizing the equipment. And this doctor said, you're the problem. And for 30 years, they ignored him. And women died like crazy. Until finally, finally they realized, if we wash our hands and sterilize the equipment, this would go away. And this is how we got today the modern techniques we have in hospitals for sterilization and hand washing is from this incident. And when they started washing their hands, it went away immediately. Here's the moral of that story. Sometimes you're to blame. Sometimes you're the one that needs to take responsibility versus passing the blame to everybody else. And until you do that and start washing your own hands and doing your own laundry, nothing is going to change in your life because you won't take responsibility for your own stuff. And I have the same issue, by the way. It's time to put the basket of blame down. Here's the second reason blame is so destructive in your life. Blaming forfeits your power to change. Now think with me really deeply about this. If where you're at today and the issues you have going on right now are fully someone else's fault, do you understand what you're saying? You're saying you don't have any power to change your situation. Only they do. And you have given up all the power to someone else. What if they never change? What if they don't do anything ever different? Do you not have responsibility still for your life? See, you give up, you forfeit all your power to change. This is called a victim mentality. And it is 
everywhere in our world today. And some of it is even inside of us. Let me ask you something. Did God send his son Jesus to this earth to die for you, to shed his blood and to rise from the grave and to give you the power of the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus? God's spirit, Jesus' spirit living inside of you, did he do all that so you could be a victim? Not a chance. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 16. He said, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You're going to have all sorts of jacked up things that happen to you. Horrific things that happen to you. So you can be a victim. No, what's he say? But take heart. I've overcome the world. If Jesus overcame this world and all the trouble in this world, and he put that power, his power, inside of you, that means you were never designed to live as a victim. You were always designed to live as an overcomer. No matter what they did, no matter what happened to you, no matter how horrific it is, you have the power to change because Jesus has the power. I mean, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is inside of you. So you're not a victim. Stop saying that. Stop thinking that. You are an overcomer. Andy Andrews is a really great example of this to me. Andy Andrews has this crazy powerful story. You can read a lot of his books. He's a prolific writer now and a very successful man. But at the age of 19, Andy had everything going for him. Life was awesome. And at the age of 19, his mother died of cancer. And two weeks later, his father died in a car accident. And Andy spiraled. In fact, he became homeless really quickly. And he spent most of his nights living homeless under a pier on the coast of Alabama. One day, an old man appeared out of nowhere and looked at Andy and said, you realize you chose this? And Andy was so offended. He said, how dare you? Say, I chose this. Look what happened to me. And look what God allowed. And this old man challenged Andy. He said there was a, a library nearby, a free public library. He challenged Andy to start go, going and reading the biographies of successful men and women, which Andy started doing. Andy read over 200 biographies in the next few years, being homeless. And here's what he discovered. There's not a successful person in this world that hasn't had something very hard happen to them. Andy's a Christian, and as he read these biographies, he looked for common themes in successful men and women that matched up with what Scripture says. And here was one of his number one takeaways. Successful people, one of the number one traits they have is they take responsibility for their life. They don't pass the blame no matter what happens. They take responsibility for their life. I could tell you hundreds of stories of people in our church like you who suffered the most horrific things, childhood sexual abuse, abandonment, financial ruin, being walked away, a marriage falling apart, infidelity, losing a child, a young child, losing multiple young children. And I could point to you that so many of them 
they would have never called themselves a victim. And God has taken them to places as they took responsibility, no matter what happened, to just growing and seeking Jesus and continuing to be who he wanted them to be. And they're, they're in places you couldn't even imagine today. That's the story of so many people. Why is it that so many people overcome and so many people fall into the victim mindset? It's all about responsibility. In fact, Edith Egger was a Holocaust survivor. She's now a a very famous psychologist. And she wrote this, we become our own jailers when we choose the confines of the victim mind. And some of us today, we put ourselves in a prison because we only wanna blame everyone else around us, including someone that might be sitting next to us right now. My favorite thing she ever said is this though. I think this is so powerful, somebody needs to write this down. In my experience, she said, victims ask, why me? Survivors ask, what now? And that is a massive difference, by the way, to, to focus on, why me? Why? Look what they did, oh God. Versus just saying what now? No matter what happened, I'm gonna take responsibility. One focuses on the past and blame, the other focuses on the future and your responsibility. Listen, it's the first weekend of 2024, or second weekend, sorry. And what I wanna do for just a moment is um, I just wanna have a moment with you where you get really honest with yourself. And I'm gonna push you a little bit as your pastor. I'm gonna push you to a place where it's gonna be a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, for some of you, it'll just be painful. And I'm just telling you, you, you need it. Who are you blaming? Like who's the person in your mind that, that the situation you're in right now, you know that thing that you feel stuck in? Who are you blaming? What responsibility do you have? Well, this will be where it's a little bit hard. I want to be really clear. There, there's some of you today that you were the victims of childhood sexual abuse. And I want to be really clear, that was not your fault. Not even close. There's not, there's not, there's not an, an ounce of fault that's placed on you as a child when someone abused you. It's not your fault. Let me say it again. It's not your fault but what is your responsibility to seek healing from your heavenly father? That is your responsibility. And some of you tried to bury that. Some of you tried to ignore it. And you have not taken responsibility for moving forward into the future, just getting help from a God who wants to help you. It's because you may have even blamed God And that's okay. Just know he's ready to come alongside you and heal you if you'd seek him. And you may need to seek some help from some counseling resources. Obviously, that's very appropriate. 
In fact, we encourage it. We have a list of vetted counselors that we can refer you to. You just ask anyone on our staff, any of our pastors, after the service, you just, you just ask, we'll get that to you. Because some of you need to start taking responsibility for just moving forward. Now, outside of childhood abuse or some really extreme situation, here's the reality for the rest of us. And I'm sitting in this chair because I am one of you. I am with you on this. I've been hurt. I've had things that are just horrific happen to me in my life. And the reason I'm sitting in this chair is because every one of us has some responsibility to take for where we're at today. And I just need to ask you, what do you need to take responsibility for today? And it could be as simple as this. You just need to admit, my mama told me, my daddy told me not to do it, not to be with them, not to do it, and I did it anyways. Trusted people around me said, don't do it. But I had already made up my mind. I need to own that. That's on me. Hey, I should have never been at that party. I should have called a cab. I should have never sent those pictures. I know they fought. I should have never done it. I should have checked their references. I should have followed up. That gut thing inside of me, I, I ignored it. Even when I knew there were some red flags. I kept telling myself I could handle it. I could handle it. And it was handling me. How about this? Some of you know the situation you got into, you got into because you ignored God's word. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's right and wrong, you defined what's right and wrong. You didn't look to God for what's right and wrong. That's on you. You need to own that so you don't make the same mistake in the future. Some of you, there's a body bag of relationships that have fallen apart in your past. And you need to own the fact that the common denominator between all those broken relationships is you. When are you gonna take responsibility for your life so you can move forward into the future? Listen, it's not fun taking responsibility. It's much more fun to pass the blame, but it will put you in a place where you will carry your dirt and never be able to move forward into something positive. So today, I'm asking you to make a declaration. Today is the day things change. And if that's you, if you're someone that wants to make that declaration, I'm just gonna invite you to do it. I'm gonna ask everyone, even if you're not gonna take the declaration, just everyone to stand to your feet across all of our campuses. Let's all stand together. So we can kind of be in unison together. But if today you just know, like your marriage is on the line, your kid's future is on the line, your work is on the line. Your life is on the line. If you don't decide today, I'm not gonna blame anybody else. I'm gonna take responsibility for my life. And if you wanna make that declaration, I wanna invite you to read this out loud with me. You ready? Let's say it out loud. This year, with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare, I will take responsibility for my life. Never again will I blame someone else for where I am. The buck stops with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have your power in our lives to help us take responsibility for our life. And God, some of us need it today. 
We just need to move from that mentality of like, oh, look what happened to me to now what? That we're no longer a victim, we're gonna take responsibility. And God, as we take responsibility, would you give us a path forward where we can own our lives and take steps that will enhance what you want for us? We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen, amen. Hey, you wanna know what the declaration is gonna be for next week? Got to come back next week, all right? We'll see you then. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.